They say to create the art you want to see in the world. So my love, here we are. This episode is all about the ball busting, badass, fictional feminist witches of the 90s. No, they're not all supernatural witches, but they're all witches in their own right. So grab a midnight margarita or brew your favorite non-alcoholic elixir, babe, and settle in for a trip through the astral to the era of teen Wicca, fishnets, and black chokers. I'm Sarah. My alter ego is the 90s witch. This is Reclaiming and Girls to the Fucking Front. Happy Monday! Happy Spring Equinox! Yes, it's finally here! Spring! My loves, spring, finally! I mean, it's raining. I'm, I'm recording this when it's raining in LA, so it doesn't quite feel like spring, but it did yesterday, so that's what matters, right? This is when, uh, this is the Spring Equinox. This is the Witch's Sabbath of Astara. This is when the day and the night are equally balanced, so I thought this was a particularly good week to have this topic. But before we get there, welcome to another episode of Reclaiming the Weekly Podcast podcast where we spark a revolution from the inside out. I'm Sarah. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a writer. I'm a witch and I'm a pole dancer in LA. And I'm really happy to have you here with me this week. And if you're a new listener, welcome, my love. We're so happy to have you. If you are a veteran reclaimer, I love you so much. Please continue to share this podcast and the newsletter with your friends and coven mates. Love you so much. Also, before we get to the topic, I just wanted to make sure that you are signed up for reclaiming the newsletter. It hits your inbox every Monday. Same with this podcast. I've been making little tweaks to it like here and there, just trying to get some steady new readers. And it's bringing me so much happiness that I'm I'm continuing to get new readers, new subscribers, and I hope you like it. And if you're not signed up, please do. Don't miss out. You can sign up on the website at reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaim, E-F-F-I-N-G, everything.com. Also, if you could please head to Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this podcast, give it a five-star rating and review. I would be so grateful. Helps with the algorithm. And as I've mentioned, there are a ton of other podcasts named Reclaiming, and we just want to make sure we bump this one all the way up, right? <laughs> okay, so that's done. Now that the house has finally been kept, I am so excited to talk to you about 90s witches. This is such a special week. It's a special episode for the spring equinox. Um, Eric and I were just talking the other day over lunch about how this feels like such a brand new chapter. And if you're an astrology person, you know that Saturn just entered Pisces, which is a huge fucking deal. And I'm really feeling it in my molecules. Um, It it just feels like a shift. Saturn is such a rigid uh, planet about boundaries and getting things right and doing things, you know, fixing mistakes and and setting up structures and Pisces is just such a like magical um mermaidy watery sign and so it's going to be it's going to kind of teach us something about our boundaries and where we can soften them and so I'm kind of in that mode right now just trying to kind of soften things so with that in mind like the last few weeks have been pretty fucking dark I'm not to say that they're not dark right now um there's a lot of shit going on in the world right now. And if you subscribe to the newsletter, um, I put all of the kind of main 
takeaways for, you know, feminist news, political news, all that. So I'm going to focus here on the fun stuff of the revolution. And, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Rest and love and joy. Those are all part of the revolution too, my loves. It's not just fighting and, you know, alchemizing our rage into change, which is so much a part of it. But you can't do that without if you're always running on empty, right? So we got to take a step back and really just kind of live it up. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with this episode. Um, So let's take a pause this week and let's tend to that fucking power within. How's that sound? That said, this week, I wanted to talk about my favorite fictional 90s witches. And as I mentioned, um, not just supernatural witches, although I included a few of those in there. I also am including um, just feminists that I because I consider feminists to be witches themselves. I think there's a lot of crossover on that term. Um, And I will do another episode about reclaiming the word witch because I think it's so important. It's such a political word that we need to be taking back. But I wanted to... um bring up some of the really cool ones from the 90s. And I'm a 90s girl. Like I I had a 90s nostalgic history podcast with Eric for a year during the pandemic. And what's really funny about this particular topic is I wanted to do it for my birthday. So I wanted this episode to come out on my birthday in 2021. And ironically, the last episode was the week before my birthday. So I never got a chance to do this episode. So we're doing it here. But you know what? It still fucking fits. (laughs) It totally works because this is very much in the theme of Reclaim Fucking Everything and Reclaiming the Podcast. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. Um, I picked the ones here that are fictional, but if you know me, I love characters and archetypes. I really work with characters and archetypes. I'm more than happy to treat these like real life role models, even if they were fictitious, um, because I consider these women to be matron saints. And I think that's one of the big parts about witchcraft and feminism and, you know, any kind of spirituality is finding those types of archetypes, those those types of people, whether they're fictional or real, that have this energy or some part of them that you want to embody and and move forward with that you're inspired by. So that's kind of what I'm doing here. These are energies I wanted to embody and causes that I want to fight. But I present to you an unranked and that's important, (laughs) unranked list of my favorite 90s fictional witches. Okay, so first we have Kat Stratford from 10 Things I Hate About You. Kat Stratford is the ultimate 90s riot girl and you cannot convince me otherwise. So she's super feminist, right? Arguably one of the most visible and outspoken pro-woman characters in the 90s canon. (laughs) She was just so herself unapologetically. She didn't care. She pissed people off just by being her and not bending to what everyone else wanted her to be, which is her her sister, right? She likes girl punk. She goes to shows. She lives outside of Seattle. And fun fact, the house that that the family lives in, um, the Stratfords, is actually in Tacoma. And I actually went to school there for two years and we used to walk past it all the time just so we could see it. (laughs) But it's very much like this kind of riot girl Pacific Northwest vibe to Kat. And I just really, really love that. She embodies this no nonsense Pacific Northwest feminist vibe. Um, Also wanted to note, too, that in the beginning, when you meet her from the very first scene, she's listening to Bad Reputation by Joan Jett, which is 
one of my anthems. <laughs> she reads Betty for Dan and Simone de Beauvoir. She also calls out Joey, eat me Donner in her words. I just fucking love that. And all of his toxic bro bullshit. And she smashes into Joey's car, even though her dad's insurance doesn't cover PMS. That's such a funny part. She's always making a stand against something um, particularly meaningless and consumer driven shit, right? She's always like trying to point out that, that the consumer driven lives is just so unfulfilling. But she also tries so hard to watch out for her younger sister and not just as her sister, but as a potential one of Joey's victims, because she said he was an asshole, didn't respect her need not to be physical with him. He didn't respect her boundaries when they were physical. So she's not just helping out her younger sister, Bianca, because she's her sister. She's helping her out as a potential victim to Joey's toxic bro masculinity, potential sexual assault. She also doesn't try to appeal to the male gaze. She wears whatever she wants, especially, you know, she still has black panties. Get a girl. And one of the biggest things I think I learned from Kat was that people will always misunderstand the quote unquote shrew. And this movie was a direct reboot of Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. And, you know, Kat was obviously the shrew. And that can be lonely and isolating. But if you are like Kat and you are misunderstood, you just should know, I think, from Kat's example, fiction or not, that you are lovable and worthy just as you are. Okay, that was Kat. Next up, I wanted to give some actual witches here. We got the Owen sisters from Practical Magic. That's Sally and Jillian. Okay, so again, a story about sisterhood, blood sisterhood, and otherwise. These two witches teach us to trust the women that came before us. They have lessons to teach us. There's a reason why there's a matrilineal kind of wisdom in witchcraft. In that's, I mean, we call it Mother Earth too, um, just because there's so much wisdom in that divine feminine that gets passed down from generation to generation through women, right? So Sally teaches us that we need to play the game, but Jillian teaches us we can let loose when we can. And I can't also go through this particular movie and these particular witches without mentioning Midnight Margaritas. And I cannot emphasize this enough. If anyone wants to recreate that scene with me, please shout me out because I think that would be a blast. I have never done Midnight Margaritas and it's on my list. So come, someone come over and do it with me. <laughs> also, the thing about the Owen sisters from Practical Magic, everything about their aesthetic is just perfect, right? The house, the fashion, the hair, the music, the lighting, everything is just perfect. It also talks about how women can come together to help each other. They don't need men to solve stuff for them. And also it teaches us to be careful if you fuck with baneful magic. I'm not here to say don't do baneful magic. And if you're not a witch and you don't know what baneful magic is, it's basically like the dark magic. I, I think the terms dark and light magic are actually really harmful, but it's baneful magic is like, you know, hexes or whatever. Binding spells are a little less uh, intense than hexes, curses, all those things. But basically this this movie's like, if you're going to work with some baneful shit, just be careful. <laughs> um, and I think the takeaway here beyond that, if you're not a witch, is totally fine. The takeaway here is that there's nothing more powerful than a group of women with one goal. They might all have different ways of getting there, but you simply cannot fuck with coordinated groups of women fighting for one thing, right? That is what feminism and witchcraft are all about. <laughs> okay, so that is the Owen sisters. Next, I wanted to move on to Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Again, our favorite pink loving attorney and Harvard Law alum. We love her so much because she goes after what she wants unapologetically and she never really questions if she'll get it or not. She just finds 
leads away. It kind of reminds me of um, when I took the leap to quit my job, my nine to five job and start this, this whole thing, reclaim and my consulting business and everything. I kind of had this moment of, okay, do I need to have a plan B, C, D and E? And I remember Eric saying to me, no, because plan A is going to work. And, you know, if I need to get plan B, plan C, whatever, I, I'm resilient. I can figure it out. But plan A is going to work. And that's what Elle Woods really teaches us. Um, she's also totally afraid to unafraid to speak up, uh, whether it's using legal jar- jargon like I object or if it's correcting Warner in class. And I also think there's something um, here about how pretty privilege exists and that you can use your privilege, um, whether it's pr- pretty privilege or whatever, um, to stand up for women, for all women and be compassionate and take no shit. So the other thing I loved about Elle is that she solves problems in highly unexpected ways. And I think uh, the takeaway here from um, Elle as, you know, one of the top 90s uh, witches, I think this movie actually came out in 2000, but we're going to count her here anyway. I think one of the big takeaways is that sisterhood can be found in unexpected ways and unexpected places. It's not just literal sisterhood at Delta Nu, her sorority, but other variations, her sisterhood with Paulette, her sisterhood with... um, Vivian or uh, the other girlfriend uh, bonded by their shared experience with Warner, um, the aerobics teacher that she didn't know personally at first, but was instantly a sister because of Delta Nu and her aerobics class. So there's just kind of this this theme here that sisterhood isn't just blood, that sisterhood is anytime you and another woman find each other and not just woman, femme, femme identifying person, um, find each other and have a shared bond of something, you know, that's that's where sisterhood can be found in unexpected ways. And I think it's also really interesting to hear that there is a literal talking of sisterhood. I mean, that's what sororities are, call themselves. Right. So I think there's a theme through all of these and it's sisterhood. And I'll talk a little bit about all that in the end. Um, but I think this is, you know, Elle Woods had a lot to say about um, feminism, sisterhood, witchcraft, uh, you know, all that. And of course, she taught us the bend and snap. OK, so the next group of uh, witches I wanted to bring up really quickly are the Sanderson sisters. Now, I don't need to go into a whole synopsis uh, because we all know by heart about Hocus Pocus. But the lesson here, again, is one of sisterhood. (laughs) I actually did a podcast episode on um, Hocus Pocus in 2020 for the 90s podcast. So I'll link it in the show notes if you want to go check it out. Uh, But yeah, it's it's such a great uh, film. It also talks, you know, again, talks about how sisterhood is a powerful force for good or for bad. It also tells us to not be afraid of having a good time. Think about all the ways that these sisters let themselves indulge in pleasure. And even when they do, it doesn't distract them from their true goals, good or bad, you know, usually bad. But I just love it. They all have their things that that they fucking love and they get off to. And I just think it's really cool that they just go for it. Okay, so then kind of tangentially related to the Sanderson sisters, my next group of 90s witches are Brenda, Elise and Annie from the First Wives Club. And I just have to give a little shout out to one of my best friends, Elisa, (laughs) for this particular section, because um, these three are like my OG heroes from when I was a kid in the 90s. Again, it's an offshoot of the Sanderson sisters because Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker are in this movie too. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies ever. It's a very powerful testament to getting revenge on a man who did you wrong while also using it to help other women. 
honestly, I can kind of relate to this the more I, the older I get. Um, there's also sisterhood and bonding and shared trauma. And I know that sounds heavy using the word trauma, but I mean, it's it's true, right? As women, we experience a lot of the same kinds of relationships and societal pressures and career problems and family problems, etc. But I think uh, what the First Wise Club's ladies, which is uh, tell us is that we are never alone and we're powerful together when we share our stories and we can alchemize it. I've used I use that word a lot, alchemize, because I really do think that we can take that rage and turn it into something good for other women. I love uh, the phrase actually ironically um, spoken by Ivana Trump. Don't get mad, get everything in this movie. Very 90s. Um, and I've, as I said, the older I get, the more this movie opens up in my soul like a good wine. You know, I get that totally rejected, invisible because of a man's situation. And I love that they're all about we help them rise. We can help them fall. They're here to fuck shit up. And they're actually having a good time at the same time because life is too damn short and precarious to focus on just the little bullshit stuff. Right. Again, like I said before, this movie is all about sisterhood, best friends, heart people, and also about mothers and daughters. It's an interesting, um, you know, combo of the different kinds of relationships that women have with each other. Also speaks to the underappreciated and unappreciated contributions that women make to their husband's lives for really not much in return. (laughs) Not that I would know or anything like that. Um, Okay, so next up, and this is one of my favorites, although I said I didn't have favorites, but this is definitely one, Cher Horowitz. We cannot discuss 90s witches, 90s feminists, 90s activists (laughs) without discussing Cher Horowitz from Clueless. So Cher was really into activism. Um, You can, you know, call it whatever you want to call it. It's it was activism in the end. She documented violations of the Clean Air Act. She worked for the Pismo Beach disaster relief. She fully intended to break for animals. She helped two lonely teachers find love and she rescued Ty from teenage hell. (laughs) But seriously, she and the other two, to a degree, advocated for what they wanted. Cher turned her shitty grades into good grades with her, her power of persuasion. And arguably, that's more important life skills than trigonometry, right? She was caring and compassionate and she treated everyone with with respect, maybe except Amber. She didn't ask to be a caretaker, but she compassionately took on the role to care for her dad and for Josh. And she didn't need rescuing necessarily from anything, but she did need it when she fought back against her potential sexual attacker and got robbed as she was coming home from the valley party. And she fought back against her attacker. Like that's like, fuck yeah. Like that was one of the first times I think I saw as a young girl, like a girl really truly fighting off her attacker. And it was a teen movie. So of course, you know, I'm watching teen movies back then. I wasn't watching Thelma and Louise, which I'll talk about in just a minute, but I wasn't watching that. I was watching these kinds of movies and it was really great to see my hero, Cher Horowitz, fighting off her attacker. And then when he would say stuff like, you know, do you even know who my dad is? She called him out for being a snob. Be like, oh, you are a snob and a half. She was also so self-aware and she called out people that mischaracterized her or didn't give her the credit she deserved with stuff like, oh, you just think I'm a ditz with a credit card. That reminds me a lot of Elle Woods. It's just like people will look at both of them and just characterize them in certain ways and completely underestimate them. And that's one of the things I really liked about both of them is they came out and they're like, "Uh, (laughs) you think I'm just a ditz with a credit card? I'm actually really fucking smart and powerful. So I just had to throw that in there. Ultimately, Cher and the girls speak to letting people underestimate you as a woman, but up to a certain point. 
And then boom, cashing your power in for something bigger all at once and blowing everyone's mind at the same time. Okay, so I want to take it back to some witches again. And these are the witches that, like I said, I don't play favorites. But if I did, the witches of the craft, my femme goth 90s queens. I didn't actually know this until I was doing a little research for this, but I didn't know Charm, the TV show, which ran from 1998 to 2006, was actually loosely based on the craft. The craft came out in 1996. And this is the movie that made it really cool for teen girls in the 90s to experiment with witchcraft and Wicca. It was like this iconic coming of age, like witchiness when girls usually experiment with the occult, with tarot cards, with with Ouija boards. We call them spirit boards. We don't actually call them Ouija boards, but with Ouija boards, with Book of Shadows, with all those things. This was kind of what made it cool. Also had like the most incredible aesthetic, like clothing wise. I mean, this is this is my entire um, wardrobe is actually the craft, the movie, the craft. Um, and when I say, you know, black chokers, this is that's where it comes from. It's a dark R-rated movie about a nice girl who falls in with the school witches um, to form a coven and take their revenge on racist bullies, slut shaming jocks and abusive stepfathers. OK, there is nothing more feminist than that. Right. It also has this amazing late 90s soundtrack. It's just absolutely perfect. And it's funny because back then in the 90s, most teen girls would keep their experimenting and, and interest in Wicca and witchcraft to AOL and libraries and maybe a metaphysical shop or two. But today it's really open. And this this era of, you know, teenage experimentation with witchcraft is is easy to indulge for young girls on TikTok and Instagram. It's really interesting. But back then, that's where we got our interest, our info from. And uh, we looked to the girls from the craft for inspiration. And this just really also speaks to this really universal desire um, at young girlhood and adolescence to make sense of that power from within, right? It often gets tamped down by society. And this theme is also really interestingly um, explored in a lot of other female coming of age stories and series, even modern ones. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Pen15. If you are a 90s girl, you absolutely need to watch this show. It's absolutely wonderful. And um, there's an episode of Wicca (laughs) about the girls playing with Wicca. I mean, who could forget trying to do light as a feather, stiff as a board during sleepovers in the 90s because of the craft? What's really interesting, too, is Rachel True and Feruza Balk are actually modern day mystics. Uh, Rachel True is a very well-respected tarot um, artist and writer. She has a, her own tarot deck and um, guidebook, which is actually incredible. And she talks a lot about her experiences as an actress in the 90s um, and as an actress of color in the 90s. And um, she's just really, really interesting. I've heard her interview viewed on so many podcasts. Rachel True, um, if one day you ever listen to this podcast, I love you so much. I live in LA. Please reach out. I'd love to uh, interview you. Ah. <laughs> Fruza Balk too. I think she's in LA as well. She used to have a um, metaphysical shop herself. The craft is actually quite true to elemental magic, even if there's a little bit of uh, supernatural horror movie angle to it. And it has my favorite phrase from a movie ever. When the bus driver warns the girls as they're leaving the bus to watch out for the weirdos, Nancy replies, we are the weirdos mister. Love it so much. And I wanted to include this little quote from Time magazine. The craft dropped right into this teeming cauldron of witch narratives, soon to be followed by Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Practical Magic. What set the craft apart from these more lighthearted stories was the rather dark trajectory of its storyline. This was no comedy or fairy tale, but a bona fide horror movie. Feruza Balk played the ringleader of a coven of teen girls, along with Nev Campbell, Rachel True, and Robin Tunney, who willfully dabble in witchcraft and get 
hidden way over their heads. So this story, too, is about more revenge. And some of it's justified, if you can call it that. Nancy with her abusive stepdad, the racist blonde girl. And it had a lot to do with revenge against men who wronged them. Once again, the theme here is the power of sisterhood and how when women come together with a unified purpose, they can do anything. And it also acknowledges that there is a dark side. Unmitigated rage should be tempered with self-love and compassion for others. Otherwise, it's destructive. Okay, that was the craft. A couple more before I wrap up. Romy and Michelle, again, a story of sisterhood and how best friends are everything. And they're the source of love and joy and success. And what we learn here from Romy and Michelle is that you always have to have each other's back. It doesn't work if we don't have each other's back. Okay, it just doesn't work. It all falls apart if we do not have each other's back Always, 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 always. We're learning here, too, that who fucking cares what other people think of you? Everyone has their demons. Everyone's doing their best or not. Like, who fucking cares what you're wearing? Be yourself. Make the fucking dresses you want to wear and show up in them unapologetically. It also reminds me of another thing Eric said to me once. I've actually shared this story so many times, but I'll just say it again here because it's so relevant. There was this one time I wanted to buy this item of clothing. I can't even remember what it was, but I wasn't sure I could, you know, pull it off. And I remember turning over to Eric and being like, I want to wear this, but I have no idea how I would wear it. And he actually just looked at me and he was just like, with confidence. <laughs> Romy and Michelle embody that. They just do it with confidence. That's how you wear that stuff. They all also remind us to always deduct three pounds for our shoes. And then I think the thing that I learned the most from Romy and Michelle, other than always have each other's back, is that there's always room in the resistance. Even when it's women who are previously shitty to you, when they come around and realize that you had it all along, just like that one popular girl who ended up working for Vogue and came to their defense at the reunion when the other girls made fun of their dresses. There's always room in the resistance. People can change. I think that's the thing that I'm coming around to. There's there's hope. There is hope. Even though there are some women that aim to pull down these resistance um, covens. <laughs> I, Michelle, Romeo Michelle are a coven of two. Um, even though there are people that women too, you know, with their internalized um, misogyny aim to bring them down, there's always room for people to change their minds. I think that's a big thing. Okay, one more Lisa Kudra character, Phoebe from Friends. Um, she's always the oddball, always the voice of unreason. And she's also kind of slightly made fun of for that, but still it's really genuine. And I feel like someone would have to be that third eye open in real life to be able to play it so well. So I have to say um, Lisa Kudrow's sincerity makes Phoebe one of the most believable characters on the show Friends at times. And I also think it just goes to show how feminist and witchy Lisa Kudrow is herself. <laughs> so I would say also too about Phoebe from Friends, she was woke before woke was woke. Take that, Ron DeSantis. And she's married to a gay man in the ice capades or thought he was gay at least. She's very open-minded, eats pop brownies. <laughs> so we just love Phoebe. Again, this one isn't so much about sisterhood. This one's more about just, you know, beating to your own drum. And I think it doesn't, you know, people can look down on it. People cannot take you seriously. It happens. It's their problem. It sounds like a personal problem. I had a friend in one of my um, programs I went through, they used to say, it sounds like a personal problem when any, anyone would have any kind of issue or opinion of her. And I just think that's so Phoebe from Friends as well. Okay. So finally, last but not least, I cannot talk about 90s fictional witches without mentioning Thelma and Louise. Now, this includes Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, themselves activists for the feminist cause. Obviously, this is a rape revenge plot, which I have actually written about before and how that's not particularly feminist. 
But Thelma openly defies her abusive husband. Louise is fed up with feeling stuck in her life. And they are just, you know, I think this is such a wonderful story. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just such a great story of like taking that moment in time where you're like, there has to be more out there for me and just taking it to the extreme. And it's just also such a fun, like Southwestern America road trip buddy. I, it, it's just wonderful. I can't recommend it enough. Also, the scene where they bait the truck driver is a classic scene in feminine anarchy, as I'm calling it. And the one time that they are rescued by a man, which is Louise's boyfriend, they lose it all shortly, you know, from Thelma's boyfriend. So really, they only had themselves. And then, of course, the final scene, not going to give it away here. Um, and what we learn again here is once again, sisterhood is power. <laughs> I wanted to give one honorable mention to Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, I'm not going to go too far into it, but Mrs. Doubtfire, I think, is also one of the biggest witches of the 90s. Um, don't want to go into too much of the details there. I'll go off on a million tangents about drag and all of the things that are going on right now. But I think it's a very, very, very potent 90s feminist witch character. And I am Love to see it. One of my, again, one of my favorite movies. I watch it every year on my birthday. Okay, so what do we learn from all these powerful witches of the 90s? Well, if you sensed a theme, you're right. You would probably reply that we learn about sisterhood. We learn that together women can fucking change the world, my loves. We learn that we get our power from sharing our stories with each other and holding space for each other with compassion and without judgment. We can change the world when we come together for a shared purpose. We really fucking do, my loves. And it's not just fiction when this happens. I'll do an episode of my real life favorite feminists and witches of the 90s, and that'll include Riot Girl and Bikini Kill, Bratmobile, Anna Nicole Smith, RuPaul, and of course, my personal hero, Monica Lewinsky, Gloria Steinem, Bell Hooks, Spice Girls, all those real life witches from the 90s. But that'll be a different episode. Maybe I'll do that one for my birthday. If there's anything we can take away from the fictional witches of the 90s, it's that we are really fucking powerful together and that sisterhood is everything. Sisters don't have to be blood. They can. But sisterhood is a shared experience with others who live as femmes, intentionally tapping into the strength and compassion and power and joy of femininity. That's it for this week, my loves. I hope you liked it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, if you're new here, I am so glad you joined us this week. Please make sure you are signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter. You can sign up on the website at reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaim, E-F-F-I-N-G, everything.com. You can follow me on Instagram at reclaimeffingeverything. Please, 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 if you enjoy this podcast, give it a five-star rating and review. Also wanted to know, I just launched my Feminist Communications Consulting agency. If you are a femme identifying professional or business owner, entrepreneur without a brand communication strategy and would like to work with me to amplify your story and break the patriarchy from within, please visit my website at sarahspurlock.com and we can set up a phone call. And remember, sisterhood is power, my loves. We are all in this together. We are all witches. We are all the weirdos, mister. Until next week, I love you so much and girl fucking power. <laughs>